0: Welcome to Blockchain Explained, the podcast about opportunities, challenges, and trends in blockchain technology. Whether you're a beginner or an expert, a developer, or just crypto curious, this podcast is for you. It features industry leaders and government officials discussing the world of distributed ledgers, cryptocurrencies, and the metaverse. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Rickschaffen and Kelly Wicker.
1: Hello, and welcome to the final episode of Blockchain Explained in 2023. Really excited to be here today just with my co-host, Alan Rexhaffin, who co-chairs uh, who chairs our Digital Assets Forum and who is on the Wilson Center Board of Trustees. It's going to be just the two of us today. We want to talk a little bit about um, what the year in crypto has been like, what the year for the podcast has been like before we close everything out. Um, Alan, I would love to hear from you. What was your high point for 2023?
0: Well, I you know, personally my high point doing the podcast with you has been fantastic. The people we've met over the past year, I, I really enjoyed hanging out with um Jordan Welbasser from uh from from Mattel. Talking about uh, collectibles, he and I got to to give a speech together at uh, Ad Week in New York, which was a lot of fun. Really exploring some of the use cases for blockchain because, well, I think one of the things that I discovered over the past year, and I think we did this together, and you as the director of the Science and Technology Program at Wilson was particularly helpful in this, is to understand that the technology is so important here and has so many use cases, and it goes beyond the financial aspects, even though the financial aspects are a key component. Um, that was what I really enjoyed the most this year was sort of seeing the, uh, the evolution in some of the use cases for the technology.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I'm really excited. We saw just, uh, last week, I think we saw the passage of a bill from a, um, committee in Congress that essentially is, um, Trying to clear the way for us to be able to innovate and deploy blockchain. I was really encouraged by the fact that that bill didn't just talk about blockchain in the financial use cases. It was talking about just broadly blockchain technology. Um, and it put me in mind about um, we had an, an episode earlier this year with Senator Cynthia Lummis, who has long been a champion for blockchain and for cryptocurrency on the Hill. Um, I know she's got a really interesting bill out. There's going to be a lot of legislation next year, I think, that hopefully we can start seeing something moving. Um, But it was just such a pleasure to be able to hear from her directly as one of the legislative leaders in this topic.
0: Yeah, and the G20 has actually chimed in and, and trying to to come up with a cohesive strategy towards the regulation of cryptocurrency and of blockchain. I think it's particularly interesting, and you you know this experience from working on the Digital Assets Forum with me. We used to meet with, with people on the Hill. We used to meet, meet with people in the executive um, office, and they would tell us that um, that there was a lot of information flow from the likes of Sam Bankman Freed. Um, on how the industry should evolve. And this is the year where the trial of, of SBF, um, became a, a, I don't want to call it a highlight of the year, but a key component of the year, a key component in the evolution of blockchain technology. And I think that trial actually created a spotlight that focused people on the technology and on the need for, um, for proper and prudent regulation. And mm-hmm. also, help people to understand that it's not just about um, frauds and scams, because a lot of that story was not about the technology and about cryptocurrency, but it, uh, it it really is a technology that is useful and has a broad range of use cases
1: and that's another thing that I thought um, we heard about. Um, we had two episodes this year on financial inclusion, which I know is one of the things that people really are hoping this technology can usher in is closing those gaps financially. Um and I think, you know, that that's a very different story than this story of fraud that we really saw dominate the headlines. Um <clears throat> but I thought it was interesting. You know, we spoke to um Harish Natarajan from the um World Bank and he kind of had a little bit more of a pessimistic take where he was like, it really is not making a lot of um, advancement on financial inclusion. But then when we talked to um, Leslie Chavkin from Stellar and Kurt Fields from PwC, we kind of heard that was a yet for them. It was was more of a question of like, Mm -hmm. it has not yet impacted financial inclusion, but they had a few case studies where they were actually seeing like, here are some specific tools blockchain enables that could throw the doors open and make um, financial services more accessible.
0: Yeah. And I think that this was a year where you saw blockchain and and even cryptocurrency become more mainstream, you know, not in in terms of regulation. What you've seen is in towards the end of this year, um, you've seen a a real push to have ETFs in cryptocurrency. You've seen some court cases come through. We talked about the ripple case um, Mm. earlier in this, in, in the year. We, we also, uh, Talked about some of the big uh, decisions that were coming down the pike with, with in terms of the SEC and and their role in regulating the industry. And I think you've seen more of a mainstreaming of the technology and of cryptocurrency in general. And one of the things that I found the most interesting, I think Ian, you and I have talked about this at length, and we've mentioned it on some of the episodes, is this structure sep, structural separation between. Bitcoin and sort of everything else, and Bitcoin has really become this money now in a way that that uh, people. Thought it might be at inception, you know, circa 2008, and now you're seeing that uh, with this desire for institutional investments and this idea that's becoming more mainstreamed, this idea that Bitcoin is a storehouse of value. Now, I'm not recommending Bitcoin in any shape, manner, or form, or saying that's a good financial investment. But what I'm identifying is that you had a year where you had the lows in cryptocurrency, and in terms of pricing, and you also had a year where Bitcoin is now uh, trading at its year high at the end of the year in December 2023. It's up some, uh, I think it's some 200% from its lows, close to 200% from its lows. So it's, it's you've seen a focus on the idea that Bitcoin can be a good use case of the blockchain as a storehouse of value, perhaps. You've seen some institutional interest come in, and you've seen the idea that these that the application of the technology to things like financial inclusion have become more part of the conversation. And, I, and I'm very happy that we've been part of that in terms of Blockchain Explained to help uh, the executive, to help people on the Hill, and to help all our, our, our audience to sort of frame it in the context of a technology that's not only here to stay, but is evolving and, and moving in a place where it is becoming uh, part of the regular course of discussion among technology aficionados and, you know, and, and the financial community.
1: Do you think that we're starting to see like with that kind of like solidifying of Bitcoin's um, role as, as currency, are, are we kind of seeing where the volatility is going to have less of an impact on people's willingness to ad- adopt it?
0: Well, as much as Bitcoin's um, becoming or or is becoming a, I would say a storehouse of value. Before I call it a currency, it's still pretty tough to go out and buy, you know, a soda for for Bitcoin, and it's, it's still tough use tough to use Bitcoin in everyday practice. You know, that said. I think that we're moving to a place where people are considering uh, because of fiscal policy considerations, monetary policy considerations, where we had expansion of the Fed's balance sheet during COVID and before that during the financial crisis, where we have the uh, the debt levels of sovereign nations around the world at, at these high levels. People are looking for alternatives. This is a year that also gold went up. Um, Uh, to $2,000. So I think people are looking for alternatives. And what I think Bitcoin has shown itself to be is something that people continue to believe in. And this is something that we discussed um, early on when when you and I first began teaching programs in the area of cryptocurrency is that currency only has value because people believe it has value. So if people continue to believe that a yellow metal is worth something, then gold will be worth something. Aside from that, very little utility in gold. You know, it has some industrial utility, it looks really pretty in jewelry, but in terms of being used as a currency, not so much. But the same thing can be true of a, of a Bitcoin. A Bitcoin, as long as people have belief that it's worth something, it becomes money. And people seem to be more inclined to be able to accept the idea that digital money can be money.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think the a lot of times us individuals only think of, Financial instruments in terms of how individuals are using them, but I think um, one thing we heard from Senator Lummis, and I've also heard from other conversations with people in the industry, is that the B two B usage of these instruments is actually significantly higher than I think most people are aware of because of that like frictionless um, ability for you know to transfer major payments and things. And, you know, that all is based on this idea of the the trust in Bitcoin as a store of value. Um, and I think, you know, hopefully we'll be able to find some ways to do some publications that highlight that B2B usage of it um, to make that more obvious for people that are not directly involved in it.
0: Yeah. And, and the speed of, of being able to move things around and the ability to be able to track it, the transparency that the blockchain offers. You know, one of the things that's been interesting interesting in some of the other things that you and I have been working on at Wilson, and and in the context of the Digital Assets Forum, and and in some of the other things that you're doing with STIPS, with the Science and Technology Program um, at Wilson, uh, is that uh, in talking to law enforcement, there was a time when uh, cryptocurrency was thought of as something that hides out in the shadows. Now it's become apparent that when bad people do things in cryptocurrency, it's very traceable. It becomes very trackable, and you know one of the things you saw come out in the SBF trial was this idea of watching where the money went, and you could see how the money was moving because the blockchain is so transparent. You know, uh, over the next year, you've had. Um, uh, some central banks look at central bank digital currencies and the idea of transparency in terms of how that would work is another question. Um, the technology, the idea that you have a blockchain with nodes keeping the records of transactions, keeping the records of information, uh, there's still a question, I think, of how centralized people will tolerate it being and still allow it to be successful in terms of it being blockchain technology. You, know, you could have a blockchain-like institution um usage of of a cryptocurrency or of a smart contract and only have five people be the recording Um, nodes for those transactions. That could be the entire network. So I think that those questions are still out there. How much do people still want decentralization in the form of this technology? The technology is incredibly efficient, incredibly great because of the transparency. Um, The question of how much people really still want what Satoshi Nakamoto, um, whoever they are, envisioned when they first came up with the idea for, for peer-to-peer transfer of a of a decentralized cryptocurrency. Um, I'm not sure how much people still require a broad distribution of information across a broad network so the the idea of how much centralization is necessary to qualify as an evolution in the blockchain world i think is something that's going to be out there and saying that that we're going to look to our guests you know and our first guest for the new year is from amazon so i'm very curious to hear what amazon's thinking is in terms of centralization amazon is a centralized entity um, so decentralization may, decentralization may not be good for people who have made their money from centralization. So I'm very curious about that. So that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to in 2024 is sort of understanding this idea of what the blockchain evolves to. Must it be a broad distributed ledger or is it something different that it's going to uh, uh, be tempered in terms of what it was originally seen as when it was uh, envisioned in 2008?
1: And, you know, a lot of these questions remind me of um, we published the beginnings, the first four of our blockchain briefs this year. We're going to continue that series in the new year. Um, but we, we touched on some of these themes of like keeping intention, making the system more efficient, making it serve the needs of consumers, but also that decentralized notion continue to be um, key. Um, we had a blockchain brief on L1 versus L2 uh, blockchains and understanding how you know different zero knowledge proofs and uh, the some of the new ways to verify transactions um, that make it faster, but also you know it's faster because it takes fewer people to, to verify or certify a chain. Um, and then we also uh, are look we looked at um, tran- uh, privacy what's the future of privacy in the blockchain? Because right now, the future of the the blockchain, the whole point of it is it's very transparent and there's very low privacy. But is there a way to build the blockchain toward a privacy um, future without losing that decentralized and secure aspects of the technology that make it so special? Um, So I highly encourage people who really want like a very basic level of understanding of these concepts to go check out our blockchain briefs. Um, But we're going to keep kind of pulling on these themes of what is how does the technology work now and what are we building toward what are the tensions in the future that we're looking at um, I know we're, we're coming up on our time here Alan so what I guess what's what are you what's your key theme for 2024 as far as you know so far uh, in blockchain.
0: Right, so I, have, I think I have three key themes. The first is the understanding of the convergence of technology, convergence of artificial intelligence and blockchain and where that takes us and how artificial intelligence starts to perhaps um, be part of the DAO, be part of the governance process of blockchain. So that's something I'm very interested. In. Second of all, the utilization of of the blockchain. Um, you know that one of the highlights this year personally for, for me was that um, I had a patent that I was awarded. And that patent was in, in, creating a discount coupon in the form of a cryptocurrency, a cryptocurrency discount coupon. So I'm very interested to see the the new, the innovations that are coming out, the ideas I'd love to have inventors come on and talk about their inventions and how the, the, the future of utilization of the blockchain. And the third area that I'm particularly looking forward to understanding, and of course overlaying all this is the regulatory environment surrounding it, is how, um, the governments begin to think about cryptocurrency and perhaps Bitcoin as it becomes more mainstream, see where the ETF goes, see what happens, um, to see where Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies lay out in terms of global financial fiscal policy and monetary policy and how that plays into the evolution of, of policy decisions that go forward um, in 2024.
1: Well, those are all exciting. I know for me, I'm going to be watching the, the regulatory landscape as and with my policy walk hat on uh, in the new year. Um, Alan, I'm looking forward to a really good year next year, and thanks for a phenomenal series in 2023 of this podcast. I can't wait to continue our conversations.
0: You know, you've given me such a present by doing this together with you. Uh, you know, I want to thank you for my holiday present, which is just – being with you and being able to to do these podcasts together and work together on Digital Assets Forum and everything you're doing, which is so great with Wilson. And I appreciate the fact that we're able to do something so great for our listeners, for our audience, for our constituents, for our stakeholders all over the world. So I want to wish you, the, you and your family the very best for 2024.
1: Well, thank you, Alan. And we wish the same to all of our listeners. We'll see you in the new year.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Blockchain Explained. Please note, nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment advice. Want more clear-eyed analysis of this exciting technology? Search for Digital Assets Forum at the Wilson Center for research, event recordings, and more. Want to ask our hosts a question? Write to stip, S-T-I-P at wilsoncenter.org with your thoughts. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Blockchain Explained.